Hey everyone, welcome again to yet another episode of the Industry Show. Joining us today is the President and CEO of Gala Capital Partners, Anand Gala. Thanks Anand for having us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. You're a busy guy, so thanks for taking time for us. My pleasure. Okay. So, we'll start with your background, you know, so tell us where were you born, where did you go to school? Sure. Uh, it's a very simple story and okay. it's one that is probably very common for uh, lots of immigrant families. I was born in Endicott, New York. Okay. And that is upstate, sort of in the middle of the state of New York. Mm -hmm. um, I was brought up in uh, Poughkeepsie and Fishkill. These are all small towns that are heavily dominated by uh, manufacturing, primarily mm -hmm. at that time right. in the 70s by IBM. Mm -hmm. And we ended there, ended up there because uh, both of my parents at the time uh, after they had completed graduate school in New York, had gone to work for IBM. Oh, I didn't know your mom worked there. Both of them, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, absolutely. And so it was a wonderful upbringing. It was uh, very stereotypical middle America look mm -hmm. and feel, lots of woods, lots of animals, yeah. you know, no fences between the homes. Mm -hmm. And it was a great experience. Uh, but then as a, as a youngster, IBM relocated the family mm -hmm. to Los Angeles, and that's how we ended up in Los Angeles. Interesting. And spent okay. the remainder of my years growing up here. That's really interesting. Yeah. So I don't know if you know this, but I worked at IBM and so did my dad. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, amazing company to work for. Yeah. So what, what did you go to school for? So I grew up uh, as a traditional, in a traditional Indian family mm -hmm. and as a traditional Indian son thinking that I was either going to be an engineer or a doctor. Yep. Those were my two options. <laughs> Nothing else was for consideration. I chose the route of, uh, of doctor. Okay. And so from the very beginning, every class I took was life science oriented. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I went to USC, I also was a life science major, ended up as a biology major there and graduated with a nice. degree in biology. That's really interesting. Yeah, I took the other option. I didn't want to be a doctor, so I went the engineering route but then I dropped out. Yeah. So uh, let, let's uh, get to know you a bit more. Right? Sure. So we'll do some uh, rapid fire questions. Uh, so growing up, what was your favorite activity? You know, I really enjoyed uh, any sport activity mm -hmm. I could find. Anything that got me outdoors, got me to run around. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite sports growing up was tennis. Okay. And I don't particularly have any tremendous skill or talent but it was one that I didn't need a lot of equipment. Right. I didn't need a lot of training. Mm -hmm. uh, if you can afford a racket and you can get a you know one tube of yeah. tennis balls, then yep. you can go have fun anywhere. Mm -hmm. Nice. So do you still play tennis? I do. I do. Not as often as I'd like. Yeah. Uh, but my kids are taking tennis lessons, and I look forward to spending a lot of time as nice. a family, really enjoying yeah. the sport. It's a family sport. It, I think yeah. it can be, and it's nice. a great one. Uh, you travel a lot. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite city? You know, um, I've been around quite a bit. Uh, I've traveled through Asia, a little bit of Europe, and definitely all over the United States. And of all the cities, I actually think Los Angeles is my favorite city. Oh, right. Yeah, you know, and, and I'll tell you why. I think it has so much to offer. Yeah. I think the cultural diversity mm -hmm. is tremendous. There's not a single ethnicity mm -hmm. that is not represented True. in this city. Yeah. And so within uh, within 30 minutes to an hour, you can mm -hmm. be in any area and pick up any type of food or language. Uh, the the, dy the dynamic nature of the environment that mm -hmm. we live in, 
within an hour you can be in the desert or in the yeah. mountains or at the beach. True. Uh, it's just a tremendous place to live. You know, one of the other things I love about LA, and I'm, I'm glad you chose LA because yeah. this is one of my favorite cities, is because, uh, you know, in addition to that cultural diversity, there's also, uh, how do I put it, uh, demographic diversity yeah. in the sense of, you know, one second you could be in Bel Air, and then the next second you could be shot. Yeah. <laughs> right? So there is there is a lot of adventure uh, that comes along uh, compared to some other cleaner cities such as San Diego. They kind of get, for me personally, get too consistent, too boring maybe even. Yeah, I would say th th some cities can become yeah. um, too homogenized. Yeah. Everything looks the same. Mm -hmm. Uh, or they become too concentrated in any one particular industry. And yeah. So one of the challenges that I think the Bay Area will suffer over time, I think it's a wonderful place to visit, and, and there's a lot going on mm -hmm. that's exciting, but there's a tremendous concentration of True. tech, and True. there's not a lot of economic diversity or industrial diversity there that's that true. becomes concerning over time. Yes. Uh, because if there's a problem in any one sector, it can be a significant impact. Yeah, that's a good observation. So yeah, LA has no such problems. Right, it's quite yeah. diverse. Yeah. Uh, so one person that you would really like to meet or, or have met? You know, I've had the pleasure of meeting a number of people, mm -hmm. but one whom I think uh, is just a great role model and I think I could learn a great deal from would be Indra Nooyi. Oh, yeah. And I think that what she's done at PepsiCo mm -hmm. uh, within her own career and what she's done for the company yes. has been remarkable. Mm -hmm. um, I think she will go down as one of the best CEOs in the last hundred years. I agree. Uh, the day she decides to leave. I yeah. mean, what a wonderful, wonderful. She's amazing. Uh, I, was, I was listening to a, an interview on uh, Freakonomics yeah. that uh, came out with her, I think it was a couple months ago. Yeah. Amazing background, amazing Absolutely. amount of work, and, and it takes a lot of grit. A lot of grit, yeah. work ethic, determination, yes. yeah. and um, and ignoring all of the biases that others mm -hmm. would have that may have otherwise yes. kept her down yeah. or kept her back. And even within the industry they operate, right? Yeah. The whole thing going on with health and, and other things and yeah. banning the a lot of their products. Yeah. But she's navigated the, the waters yeah. quite well. She has, yeah. So great role model. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, what is the most interesting thing you carry around with you? Boy, um, for me, it is important to always remember who you are and where you came from. Mm -hmm. And so, there was a family picture that was taken at Sears. Mm -hmm. They have a portrait studio. Uh, maybe they still do, I don't know. But when I was probably one or two years old, mm -hmm. we as a family went to Sears and had a family picture done and I have a small wallet size copy of that that I've been carrying around with me for at least the last 30 plus years. That is so awesome. It always reminds me of who I am and where I come from. That is so amazing. Yeah. I was watching this interview, it was a short clip of Mr. T, um, had a lot of gold jewelry on yeah. him, right? Uh, but he had shoes that were all taped up and the person who was interviewing him asked, you know, like, you have so much jewelry on, like, what's going on with these ugly shoes? Yeah. And he was like, that reminds me of where I came from. Yeah. Right? And and the jewelry, I didn't know this, but a lot of African Americans wear a lot of chains because that's reflective of, you know, their background and, and the past and mm. all the the things that were done with them. It's to show that, you know, we've we've overcome those challenges mm -hmm. 
but you know this is this is who we were. Yeah, that's very and interesting. Yeah, yeah. So it reminded me of that. It's, it's, it's pretty deep. Um, what nationality would you have wanted to be? You know, I can't think of uh, being any other ethnicity or nationality than what I am. Okay. I think that, uh, for me at least, mm -hmm. it has been a tremendous experience, and there are always going to be things that you feel um, you may be discriminated against or it holds you back, mm -hmm. uh, or there may be challenges within the country within which you live and the mm -hmm. nationality that you, that you uh, hold, but I can't think of any greater opportunity than what I've been given in being an American, being a U.S. citizen, and, uh, and being of Indian descent. These are just, I think, great advantages. The perfect combination, the, the, uh, the unfair advantage that you have, I guess. I, I, yeah. I do think it is an unfair advantage. <laughs> so, you look like you're ready to run for office. No, not at all. <laughs> if you were, what would your slogan be? Uh, you know, I think that there, in today's environment, today's mm -hmm. political environment, there's too much division, and I think too many people worry about or focus on what they don't have. Right. And to me, that sounds a lot like a concept of limited potential. And mm -hmm. I really believe in uh, a book I read called The Blue Ocean Strategy yeah. and that there's really unlimited potential. Yes. And so I always think to myself, uh, how do we help one another create more? Mm -hmm. There truly is yeah. uh, a, a an unlimited amount of abundance. Mm -hmm. You just have to have the right mentality. Right. So if I had to have a slogan, it would be how to rise up, how to how to take control of one's life, mm -hmm. how to really fulfill and and reach someone's full potential. Um, and I would focus more of my effort and energy on that. And that's not reflective of either political party. Right. I think that's just a philosophical approach I have. Is how do we help people achieve right. their potential? That's great. So you are running for office now. I'm not. <laughs> So, uh, let, let's talk about, uh, you know, who you are now, right? Yeah. Uh, you're in your mid-40s, uh, and you have, like, 30-plus years of experience in the restaurant industry. How did that happen? So, at the time, I didn't realize uh, what a blessing it would become, mm -hmm. and I truly believed it was a curse. Uh, because as a young child, uh, seeing my mother start a business mm -hmm. and my father be extremely supportive of that, uh, just meant that I didn't see them very often. Okay. So then they would start taking me with them to the restaurant, uh, which was a, a franchise at the time, mm -hmm. a first franchise of Jack in the Box. Yeah. And they would take me with them. And, and you know, we, we would all think that maybe it's because they're trying to teach me a lesson. You know, <laughs> they're, they're giving me some life skills. Um, but there may have been, and I haven't asked, so I speculate, <laughs> but there may have been an underlying theme there that maybe they didn't have childcare and they thought, let me just take the kids with me. They'll see me work hard and I can put them to work and they can do something as well. You see what we're doing with our kids, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's nothing wrong with that. I take right. my kids with me uh, wherever I can, you yeah. know, where it's appropriate. They should see how things are done. Yeah. I think it broadens their mind. Mm -hmm. And I had a very unique opportunity for that to happen. And at the age of nine, ten years old, uh, both my brother and I would work at the restaurant and wow. we would help out. And those were all things that I think are common in all family businesses, right. uh, especially first-generation yes. family businesses yep. or immigrant businesses. Right. And those are, those are qualities that I think stay with you. They give you a tremendous work ethic. You learn a great deal of respect mm -hmm. for 
many other people who work for very low wages, right. lower on the general yes. uh, spectrum. Yeah. And um, you know, I, I, I see how hard people work and I think of how can we help people Again, how the, how can we help them rise up and and achieve their full potential? potential. Yeah. Right. Not everybody is cut out to become an entrepreneur mm -hmm. or to own their own business and run mm -hmm. their own business, but there are many that are, and mm -hmm. and uh, I really think that those early experiences helped me become who I am and and give me a taste of business and entrepreneurship that really stuck with me. Yeah. Um, Maybe maybe worked against my mom's grand plan of me becoming a doctor. Uh, had she kept me out of the restaurant and, and away from business in general, I might have pursued medicine. Hey, but, but you've uh, done pretty amazingly well. No, no complaints. Yeah. No complaints at all. But, so we'll, we'll but she still reminds me that it's not too late. Medical schools do not have an age cutoff. So Indian parents don't give up. They today. never give up. It's a lesson to be learned for us as well. Never yeah. give up. Yeah. So we'll come back to this wall, but... Uh, tell us a bit more about you know how what was your day like you know you're nine ten years old yeah uh, probably spending more than twelve hours a day at uh, at this quick service restaurant yeah uh, what what kind of things were you working on yeah so in the beginning you you do the things that you're capable of doing right. without you know any material training and yeah. so it was uh, you know helping to wash dishes mm -hmm. or uh, make salads, you know, cutting lettuce How did or you things get up like that. on that counter, right? I mean, yeah, so that that was a big problem. <laughs> so in the beginning, it's it's where I didn't have to interact or interface with any customer. Right. Um, go, you know, mop the floor, clean yeah. the dining room, wipe tables, do mm -hmm. do anything like that, clean the bathrooms. But eventually, I think that my mom saw an opportunity to teach her kids about finance and accounting and oh, wow. and what business really is and customer service. And uh, my brother was blessed because he was tall enough to see over the counter <laughs> and actually interact with the customers. I was not so blessed, I was much younger. So she took a milk crate, uh, these boxes that all the yeah. milk would come in, and she turned it over and she told me to stand on top of it. Uh, and she said, at least that way you can see the customers in front of you and you can talk to them. That's amazing. Yeah. So uh, you, were, you were learning about finance, you were probably collecting cash. A lot of the transactions I'm guessing back then were yeah, everything was cash. It was fascinating yeah. to me because as a you know, 9, 10, 11 year old, you're, you're doing all of this transactional uh, yeah. business and people yeah. are handing you money and you're, you, you feel really, um, I would say, empowered. It built a great deal of confidence. Yeah. And uh, right, wrong, or otherwise, it reinforced my love of math mm -hmm. because you're, you're able to do the calculations yes. very, very quickly. You yeah. learn a little bit of technology. Mm -hmm. All of this, I'm, I'm using probably you know, terms that... that I had no concept of at right. the time, right? No, Nobody thinks as a right. 10-year-old I'm learning about yes. finance or accounting, right. but you are. Yes. You just think I'm learning about money. Yeah. And the same is true with technology. You're using computer systems mm -hmm. and cash registers and all yeah. of this, but you don't think of it that way. You just think, okay. well, I'm working the register yeah. and this is really fun. Yeah. And then also social skills, right? I'm Absolutely. Sure, you know, as, as a person talking to you at that age and you talking back to them and getting work done, uh, that must have been pretty interesting. I, I think, um, again, to me, all of it was fun. Yeah. So whether it was five hours or 12 hours or 15 yeah. hours, the day just ran fast. Nice. And you had no idea because you were having a good time. Yeah. Now, there was an added incentive. Mm -hmm. uh, I was able to get paid. And so yeah. I would get a paycheck every two weeks. Nice. And I was the only 10-year-old I knew that was getting a paycheck. <laughs> Um, it was fascinating. It was really uh, encouraging. It was reinforcing. It um, 
for me, it was it was a wonderful experience. At times, it was a grind when yeah. all of your friends are going to the beach or yeah. going to play sports or having fun, and you're going to work. Um, but it was you know this is how we spent our holidays and our vacations and our summers. Yeah. And when I speak to other people who have grown up in family businesses, we all have a shared experience. So it's yeah. it now I realize it's just not that different. Yeah. Were there any moments that um, emotional or you know maybe even funny that that you can think of or remember? You know, not, not a particular moment comes to mm -hmm. mind, but there were, um, there were many a times where I made lots of mistakes. And I think that you learn very quickly mm -hmm. that um, you have to learn from your mistake right. and you have to move on very quickly. Mm -hmm. Do not dwell on it, do not be ashamed of it. So long as you didn't do anything intentionally, right. maliciously, and it was not catastrophic, right. move on mm -hmm. because business is moving on. Yes. So until you can mentally move on, you're mm -hmm. actually doing yourself a disservice. And right. It taught me that lesson early. And it's, then don't do it again. Don't right. do it again. Yeah. Learn from your mistakes. Don't do it again. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So one of my mentors said, you know, a successful entrepreneur needs to know three things or be good at three things. Right? Yeah. Uh, one is be able to sell, yeah, uh, and then be able to deliver on it, mm -hmm. and then once you have delivered, be able to collect. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, guessing you learned a lot of these three things mm -hmm. pretty earlier in life, uh, but which ones were the ones that you either kind of um, struggled with or had, you know, took more time than than the others? Yeah, I would say that it was probably learning how to sell mm -hmm. uh, as as a Indian American growing up mm -hmm. in a traditional Indian household. Right. Um, it is not, at that time, uh, it was not culturally acceptable mm -hmm. to be an extrovert. Right. Right. When, when you're told to be an engineer yeah. and a doctor and be science and math put oriented, and just put your head down and yeah. do your studies and, you know, we're not here for parties and mm -hmm. playing games and running around, right? So it's, yeah. it's to be focused. And so that um, that has an, an impact on on a youngster growing mm -hmm. up, and so you you don't generally develop the extroverted skills, the social skills. Um, not to say I didn't have friends; I had a lot of friends, but you don't um, you don't become you know outwardly right. you know really really uh, gregarious. Mm -hmm. And so those were skills that I think I think took a long time. I don't think I fully developed those skills until my mid twenties. Okay, it just took time. But that's still pretty early. I don't know. <laughs> I, it just, it's just my experience. Well, I don't well, know if that's good, bad, right, wrong. Your cycle started pretty early. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> so uh, at what point did you decide to sort of branch out from um, on your own? Yeah, that, that was very interesting. Uh, so in the early 90s, mm -hmm. uh, we really were limited in our ability to grow within the particular brand that we were within. Right. And you were in LA at that yeah, point? Yeah, we were, okay. we were in Los Angeles. Okay. And it was because of the limitations that we were experiencing in growth within our current business mm -hmm. that uh, my family encouraged me. They said, listen, you're young, you have a lot more information, knowledge, et cetera, than we mm -hmm. do. Uh, go look at what other opportunities there are. And it was with their encouragement and their blessing and to some extent um, their, their push that I did so, and was able to find a variety of different brands, and and then of course uh, filter through that mm -hmm. and determine what we thought were the right opportunities at the time. Mm -hmm. 
So what did you start with? Like what was your first, um, let's say, did, did you start with another franchise? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and so that's what we knew at mm -hmm. the time. And yeah. so we went with where we thought we could mitigate risk. And that mm -hmm. was we understood franchising. Right. We understood the restaurant business. Mm -hmm. We understood how to do business in California. And so at the time, we started looking at a variety of different brands. And we ended up becoming, I ended up becoming the youngest franchisee for Applebee's. And wow. we acquired a small franchisee with four locations. Mm -hmm. And then over the next 15 years, grew that to 20 locations. Wow. And at the same time, uh, also became, uh, at the age of 25, became a developer for Del Taco restaurants in Phoenix, Arizona. So I was flying around and traveling quite a bit, learning real estate development, learning restaurant development uh, in another market and uh, trying to sort of hustle the best I could wow. amongst the different opportunities. So at that point, is it fair to say that you were primarily um, running jack-in-the-boxes and then you decided to kind of Yeah, so pri out? prior to that, we yeah. uh, all of us, the whole family, was right. involved in, in the operation of the jack-in-the-box franchise. Okay. My brother being probably the best operations mm -hmm. person I've ever met, mm -hmm. uh, and subsequently I got involved uh, as he moved on to something else and uh, learning about finance, accounting, HR, all the back office function, really, really understanding all of the aspects, but, yeah. but really all of us in one business. So as you started understanding these different facets of the, the business, right, yeah. right from uh, not just operations, but development and sure. finance and, and other pieces, um, which ones were you or are you still, you know, what do you enjoy the most? Yeah. I would say I have a, a very clear orientation towards math. Mm -hmm. And so the things that I think are process-oriented, are workflow-oriented, are mathematical, mm -hmm. uh, like finance and accounting, real estate development, things that are very process-oriented, mm -hmm. those are the things that I gravitate towards. They're the things that come the easiest to me. Right. Um, subsequent to all of that, I think wrapping all of that together, even general leadership, I right. find very, very interesting and I, I'm drawn to. Nice. No wonder you're doing great. <laughs> so uh, give us a sense of your operations today. You know, what kind of, um, so you have Famous Dave's, Applebee's, how many restaurants yeah. do you have? In so at, at our peak uh, was probably 2013 or 14, 2014. Mm -hmm. uh, we had uh, just about uh, 20 Applebee's and uh, a dozen Famous Dave's barbecues. Oh. Um, we had already sold our jack-in-the-box business after mm -hmm. 28 years. Mm -hmm. We had sold, we had just sold our Del Taco business mm -hmm. in Phoenix, Arizona after 10 plus years. And, uh, and then in 2014, we exited uh, the Applebee's business. Oh, okay. um, now, all of this was done with a strategy in mind mm -hmm. of, uh, of migrating and investing more in other businesses. Mm -hmm. Uh, rather than trying to develop and operate all businesses ourselves, right. we realized that uh, we really wanted to focus on businesses where we could build teams of people that could mm -hmm. run great businesses and ultimately help fulfill that dream of helping people achieve their greatest potential. Right. So uh, just last year, uh, through a lot of strategy and, and focus, uh, we ended up acquiring a franchisor mm -hmm. business. So now we are the licensor, the franchisor, mm -hmm. Nice. Uh, with a business called Muya Burgers, okay, and it's a burger, fries, and shakes concept. Mm -hmm. There are approximately a hundred locations in 19 states and eight wow. countries, and it's an opportunity for us to help lots of people fulfill their dreams of becoming business owners. That's huge, and achieving their dreams the same way that franchising has helped us achieve our dreams. 
Congratulations. Thanks. That's, that's huge. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> talk to us a bit more about that. So what are your plans going into the next year or two years? Um, so you said you have 100 stores right Yeah, now. so that, that business continues to grow. So mm -hmm. there are a pipeline of franchisees that have already signed up to mm -hmm. continue to grow that business. And we do our best to treat them as our customer. So how can mm -hmm. we help our franchisees become the most successful that mm -hmm. they can be? The highest sales, the most profits possible. Mm -hmm. That's our focus as a business. Now that business has a full complement of leadership team. There's mm -hmm. a president and COO, there's you know VPs in each discipline. And my focus is really as chairman to make sure that we have the right people in the right mm -hmm. place to drive that business forward and attract uh, the best franchisees we can. Mm -hmm. And thereafter, really to find complementary businesses that mm -hmm. are non-competitive but are similar and how can we scale. Right. So we're very active in the investment side of things, mm -hmm. looking for similar businesses that are anywhere from 50 to 250 units already established, mm -hmm. franchisors, and uh, really are looking for opportunities and leadership uh, strategy on how to go to the next level, how to mm -hmm. grow even larger. We believe that over the next five years, we will acquire, develop, and grow approximately five to 10 different brands, and we think we can achieve 1,000 locations or more globally wow. uh, within the next few years. And so that we're on track so far. Big plans. Well, I think you have to dream big if you want yes, to get there. Absolutely, yeah. So. Um, you're playing this strategic visionary role in terms of your own as a, as a franchisor, mm -hmm. uh, providing what the team needs. Um, talk to us about, you know, going back to what you said about helping people realize their potential. Um, are you channeling people up into becoming your franchisees? Uh, is that is yeah. that? Kind so of we what? we do the best we can right. uh, wherever possible if we think that people have ambition and desire to be in business for themselves, mm -hmm. what can we do to enable them? Right. If it just so happens that they have an interest in, mm -hmm. in a franchise, uh, we will do the best we can to advise them accordingly. Right. And if we think that we have a franchise within our portfolio that mm -hmm. may satisfy that, of course we will suggest it. Right. But um, there's a qualification process right. that they have to go through. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, we, we let the teams that we have within mm -hmm. each brand uh, take people through that process. So it, it's not something that we can just automatically grant right. or, or do anything. It's merit-based. Like yeah. Right. Um, so as you're going through this, you know, uh, there's, there was also a time not too long ago when, when there was a recession and sure. things kind of slowed down and, you know, it impacts uh, more than anything in the food industry, right? Mm -hmm. uh, lower margins and, and so on. So as you're going through this expansion and we are at the 10-year anniversary mm -hmm. uh, of a very cyclical market, um, what's your outlook? I mean, obviously you're, you're thinking of this in a, in a positive way because mm -hmm. you're looking at expanding, but talk to us a bit more about you know, how you see things from your perspective. Yeah, I think, look, I think that no one has a crystal ball sure. about the economy yeah. and we don't know where it's going to go. Mm -hmm. So having a philosophical approach that our franchisee is our customer mm -hmm. and we will always look to do what is in their best interest, mm -hmm. help them grow their business right. uh, as well as they can, make it as profitable as it can be, mm -hmm. then I think we will do our best to be prepared right. for any downside risk and to take advantage of any upside opportunity. Um, as I was told as a youngster, when one door closes, another opens. And so it's not a function of what did you lose or what mm -hmm. did you miss out on, but 
you need to open your eyes and your ears and look around and see where is the opportunity. Even in a down cycle, there is mm -hmm. opportunity. And some of the greatest uh, businesses have been built yes. because yep. of massive contractions in mm -hmm. the economy and it pushes people to think differently and to look for opportunity that they otherwise didn't see. That's amazing. Um, so that brings me to my next question of, you know, um, the wisdom you've gained, have you, have you used a mentor or a coach? Uh, you know, I've been very blessed to have a few people mm -hmm. uh, be mentors to me, whether they knew it or not. Um, and I regularly work with someone who I've actually brought in to be mm -hmm. a coach for my leadership team okay. here. Uh, and he and I speak regularly. So mm -hmm. I think that uh, business is no different than sports. Right. You have to constantly practice, yes. you have to train, mm -hmm. and you need a coach who can understand how to get the most or the best right. out of you. And that's where a mentor or a coach mm -hmm. uh, definitely comes in handy. How did you find them? Uh, so I was very lucky, mm -hmm. number one, to be born into a family where I think my parents took uh, a tremendous interest mm -hmm. in helping me, my brother, um, and many other family members and, and even non-family members become the best that they thought we could become. Mm -hmm. But thereafter, they were also insightful enough to say there were limitations as to what they could do to help. Mm -hmm. And they encouraged us to go and join organizations um, or, or uh, participate in seminars mm -hmm. and conferences where we may meet people. And through that process, I've gained a, a lot of relationships, some of which have become some of my just great friends, best right. friends. Uh, yeah. And then I was blessed to join a group called Young Presidents yeah. Organization, YPO, yeah. which has been a tremendous opportunity to have mentorship as well. And you lead, or at least were leading, uh, you, you were on the board of the, what was it, the food and beverage? Yeah, so there's a, yeah. there's a food and beverage or right. almost restaurant industry right. vertical and then a franchise vertical, mm -hmm. and I've led both. Okay. And uh, there's a saying in YPO, you get what you give. Right. So I took that to, to heart and I gave tremendously. I volunteered for a lot of organization, um, you know, putting together conferences and events and so forth. And in the process, you meet a lot of people. That's amazing. And you build relationships. And so I, I'm now I'm the beneficiary of all of that. Yeah. Um, what has been the difference in between the times you have succeeded and, and times you have not? You know, it's been very simple. I, when uh, I ask that question, I also, you know, again, reflect back on the wall and, and kind of question, is that even a fair question to Absolutely, ask? <laughs> absolutely. You know, I think that you only need to succeed 25% of the time really? to be successful. Okay. And if you can beat that number, mm -hmm. then you can have extraordinary success. Okay. But again, using the analogy of sports, yeah. you learn more from your failures yes. than you do from your successes. Right. Those that only succeed... I think in yeah. life are failures right. because not they've achieving. not learned yeah. anything, yeah. right? And when yeah. they do fail, those failures are catastrophic. Yeah. So I, um, maybe you could say that the greatest education I've received in my life has been all of the failures that I've had. Now, what's represented here behind us is only the successes. Right. Uh, I wish that more people had walls like this of all yeah. of their failures. Yes. You know, where I spend a lot of mm -hmm. my time in self-study, um, and, and continuing my education is really learning about the massive failures, mm -hmm. uh, the massive and minor failures right. of some of the greatest leaders in business yeah. and in life, because that is where I think you can, you can learn a great deal. I think you know, there was um, a lot of discussion, and I think things have changed over the past uh, 10 or 12 years 
even within India, yeah. right, when um, entrepreneurship wasn't looked up on yeah. uh, because of the failures that it might bring. Um, and compare that to going back to Silicon Valley where if you have failed as an entrepreneur, it's a, it's a mark of, you know, you have learned something yeah. and you have experience, we want to bring you on yeah. because you're able to learn from that. More so than ever before, yeah. and I think the United States is probably the leader in yeah. that culture and that um, psychology. Yeah. But I think the differences between my successes and my failures are very clear. It mm -hmm. is where um, my greatest failures were when I did not either believe that I needed or did not surround myself with the right people mm -hmm. and thought I could do more myself. So I would say I need to understand my limitations mm -hmm. and my strengths right. better. Uh, the second is focus. Mm -hmm. And where I spread my focus too thin, the result was more often than not mm -hmm. uh, multiple failures. And where I had greater focus was when I was able to achieve much greater success. Now that doesn't mean that you have to do only one thing. Right. But you have to understand, again, back to your limitations. Right. What are you good at? What are you not good at? Yeah. Um, how many things can you do at the same mm -hmm. time? Some people is one, some people is three, right. some people is ten. It's different just for everybody, but yeah. you just need to know what is your limit and stay within your limit. Is that something you, uh, you know, in recent memory, I'm thinking, reflecting back on the recession, is that something where you kind of got a chance to reflect and think? Absolutely. And it crystallized it very, very yeah. quickly. You know, what, what can you do? Yeah. And where should your time and effort be mm -hmm. spent? So. That, that is what helped us as an organization get through the recession right. and thereafter thrive. So, you know, as, as we kind of came out of that recession, uh, you sold some of your restaurants, right? Sure. You kind of strategically looking forward and, and uh, doing what you needed to do. But then you also bought some of them back. Uh, was there a strategic move around, you know, a market initiative or a macroeconomic uh, you know, what, what was going on uh, as yeah, you were looking I, You know, those? a lot of it just came down to where we thought we could have the greatest impact. Mm -hmm. And I think as many entrepreneurs achieve a level of success, uh, both financial, emotional, psychological, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it, um, we always think about how do we pay it back. But the reality is you can never pay it back mm -hmm. because the people who gave it to you, who gave you the advantages, who gave you the opportunities, mm -hmm. um, or simply gave you their time and, and um, helped you along the way, they just want you to do the same for somebody else. Right. So really it's about paying it forward. Mm -hmm. And so as we went through the recession and that caused all of us, myself included, to be far more reflective mm -hmm. of the blessings and the successes that we've had, it caused me to think about how I could pay it forward. Mm -hmm. Now, building restaurant after restaurant after restaurant or buying blocks of restaurants and operating everything ourselves mm -hmm. didn't really give us the ability mm -hmm. to pay it forward at a, um, at a way um, to kind of be able to scale it. To scale. Yeah. That's really what it came down to. Mm -hmm. And that's where we came to the conclusion it's time to exit some of these businesses. Mm -hmm. we, can, um, we can generate a, a very good return. Mm -hmm. And now we can reinvest that into franchisors and other investment opportunities where we can back great entrepreneurs, great ideas, great brands that we think can scale much faster. And that's where being a franchisor uh, is that much more important right. to us is now we can help create those opportunities for hundreds of people right. 
in the same five to ten year period of time right. that otherwise we may only build a dozen or two dozen yeah. locations. Makes sense. Right. So you're very conscious and considerate of your associates, right? You don't you don't call them your employees. Um, you call them your fellow workers. Yeah. Um, talk to us a bit more about that. I mean, another thing that I believe came out of uh, the recession was uh, you set up the Gala University. Uh, so talk to us a bit more about, you know, uh, what were you thinking? What is the philosophy behind it? Uh, because I remember reading something where you said uh, you really look up to GE and IBM and, and these organizations yeah. because they make a lot of investments in the in their people, in the human capital. Yeah. Uh, so I also want to specifically to, you know, uh, add to that question, uh, kind of look back on what, what is going on with GE today. So yeah. I, well, look, I think that, uh, I think that the companies that do invest mm -hmm. in the development of their people typically have much better results, have much longer tenure, so mm -hmm. lower turnover, and because of those two things, tend to have much greater performance. Mm -hmm. All of those things are a reflection of building a culture, which mm -hmm. can only happen when you have stability yes. and tenure. Yeah. And people really understand how you want things done, what is the right way to do things. Mm -hmm. And all of those things come from the human capital development. Right. Right. So that's all self-reinforcing. But you have to see it that way. You can't simply just look at financial engineering. Mm -hmm. You want to, if you really want to make a difference, you have to build companies that endure. Right. And the only way to do that is with great culture, and that's driven by great people. So we we created an, an internal university mm -hmm. where we teach leadership, mm -hmm. because that's something that just doesn't get taught often enough. True. And I learned it from watching GE mm -hmm. and IBM and Procter and Gamble yeah. and so many of the great bellwether, mm -hmm. uh, you know, foundational companies in the U.S. economy. Yeah. And they've done a great job building on um, on their people and and their leadership mm -hmm. uh, development programs. Yes. So I think when I when I look at companies like GE and others, IBM has not had stellar performance in right. recent times. GE has not had stellar mm -hmm. performance in recent times. I think that some of it is attributable to how are they developing their leadership? Mm -hmm. How are they developing the leaders of tomorrow? How are they investing in their people, whether they're the recent recruits or the long-time managers, midline and, and top-line managers? And it just comes down to what are they thinking? And if they don't think that people are doing things the right way, then what could they be doing differently to teach mm -hmm. their, their next uh, next wave of leadership? Right. right. Yeah, I think, and it's given your industry, I think the general attrition rate is higher than some other industries. Oh, very right? much. The, the restaurant industry typically has between 100 and 200 percent turnover per year. <laughs> but you have to remember that this is where most people get their first job. True. Right. So we're yeah. teaching work ethic, we're teaching yeah. discipline, we're teaching hard work and um, you know how, how to build relationships, mm -hmm. how to learn. Uh, those, some of those things just aren't taught in school today. Right. So it's it's helping you help them, right? Uh, so you're not just bringing them in for their first job, but you're able to keep them for three, five, seven, we, ten years. We hope so. We right. hope so. And we think that over time, nobody should stay in the same position. Right. People should be rotating through. Yeah. They should be moving up. Right. Uh, we have a number of people that work for our company that have been with us for ten plus years. Wow. And they started as an entry-level 
you know, clerk or cook mm -hmm. or cashier, and several of them are vice presidents today. Wow. So we're, we're, very, we're very, very happy with that. You can see how people have progressed. And for others, this is a stepping stone for them. They come yeah. in, they learn a great deal, they develop some skills and some work ethic. And then you learn and about then, them. And we learn about them. Yeah. And then they move on. So I don't see the turnover as unusual. I don't see it as, uh, as a negative aspect mm -hmm. of the economy or of the industry that yeah. we're within. I think it's just part of who we are yeah. as a business. Mm -hmm. we, we are one of the first jobs that people have. Right. And what they learn from us, they take to the next level. Yeah, makes sense. So you consistently work 12 plus hour days, yeah. right? And you're a very involved husband, a very... I try to be. <laughs> I try to be. <laughs> and, and a wonderful father to your kids, um, who, one of whom is, is a teenager. And by association, I would think the other one is too. Um, how, do you, how do you do this? What's your secret? My secret is um, always marry a spouse much smarter than you. Okay. Uh, and much That's more nice. understanding. <laughs> Starts with that, uh, truly. Yeah. I think that the, the secret to success for many, many people is who they choose as their life partner. Mm -hmm. And are those people understanding? Are they supportive? Um, are, are they willing to go through the hard work that needs mm -hmm. to happen when times are tough or, or you know, there are unusual circumstances? Mm -hmm. um, so who you marry is very, very critical. Who you associate with, the, the friends that you spend the most time with, is the, as my parents told me, you become the average of the people you spend yes. the most time with. Yeah. And so always look for people who make you better, mm -hmm. right? Learn from them and try to give, give to them the best that you mm -hmm. can give so that you're doing your best to make them better as well. And I think that those are the things I try to teach my kids. Um, and I think that that's what allows me and my family to spend the time we spend on the things that we do. But when we have the time to spend as a family, um, it's very important and very critical to us mm -hmm. and that we not have distractions and okay. that we do those things. But we, we all make sacrifices in life and mine is yeah. that I travel quite a bit yeah. and uh, I do that for my children and I do that for my family. That uh, you know I'm here to work hard mm -hmm. and create something that hopefully give them uh, the benefits of that. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're extremely humble as you do that. Um, yeah. well, all time will tell. Time will tell how good I am at it. Uh, but again, you know, thanks for for taking the time. Because yeah, again, my pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. No, same here. Um, so tell us a bit more about, um, you know. So you're extremely focused within the industry, but it seems like you're also diversifying in many different ways. So yeah. what's the the strategy and thought process behind it? Yeah. I, I believe in both. I believe in focus and diversification, mm -hmm. but not in their absolute definitions. And so when I think of diversification, I think about diversifying within a few things mm -hmm. that I can have a deep focus within. Makes sense. So within franchise, I have a deep level of knowledge and mm -hmm. focus, and that can be food franchise or non-food franchise. Right. So I understand that. And so we can look at non-food franchises and we can invest in those things and I can, I can contribute a great deal right. and be very strategic. I can do the same in the restaurant business, mm -hmm. whether that restaurant business is franchised or is or not franchised. Right. But I understand the restaurant business. I understand real estate intimately. Mm -hmm. yeah. And there is a correlation between real estate and restaurant as well. So yeah. I, I try to be diversified within a number of things that I can have a very, very deep focus within. 
Um, beyond that, I don't get involved in things like right. biotech and things that I yeah. just don't understand. Even though you got your undergrad in that. Even <laughs> though I got my undergraduate <laughs> in that. That's great. So uh, what drives you? What motivates you to get up and, and you know, get another wall of awards or you know, help people or are you looking up to someone, to your parents, like are you trying to please someone? What, what drives you? I, I think that you have to do what fulfills you. Mm -hmm. and too many prior generations would do what they thought was their duty or their responsibility mm -hmm. or what was expected of them. Right. And I think it's important that you fulfill your personal passions. Mm -hmm. Now that being said, what drives me is not awards or money or mm -hmm. any of those things. Mm -hmm. It really is how can I make a difference? So mm -hmm. my personal purpose and passion is how can I touch the lives and improve the lives mm -hmm. of as many people as possible. Now, the success, financial success, gives me the ability to then impact. have a bigger impact. Yeah. The involvement and investment and growth of a business within franchising mm -hmm. allows me the vehicle to have an impact in as many people as possible mm -hmm. and to lift up their lives. Mm -hmm. right? So my passion is just to have a positive impact on as many people as That's possible. Amazing. So you know, talking about that, you also have a Gala Foundation uh, yeah. that I think uh, you started back in 2000? No, my father started the foundation okay. and uh, and in the beginning I did not understand what the purpose of mm -hmm. it was until he was able to explain it to me. So the, the foundation is focused around educational uh, efforts and support and every year we sponsor uh, a dozen or so scholarships mm -hmm. for children from Gujarat that uh, come from means, uh, you know, where they don't have the ability to pay for a university, mm -hmm. but they're very bright and they've achieved uh, acceptance to a university in the United States. Mm -hmm. They have their visas, they have everything else, and the only thing preventing them from coming is the tuition. So mm -hmm. we pay a portion of their tuition. We, we give grants. Yes. Uh, in addition to that, we contribute to other organizations and efforts that are focused mm -hmm. around education mm -hmm. and lifting people up. And so we're uh, supporters of organizations such as Pratham and mm -hmm. AIF, yeah. again, trying to help people uh, from our community. Mm -hmm. And then locally, we contribute and support a number of organizations within our local communities here as well. That's great. So, uh, you know, we hustle, we, we generate, we impact. Um, and then at some point, in, in a lot of ways, we're kind of, you know, you said you're not giving back, you're paying it forward. Yeah. Right. So is that how you see the whole process of philanthropy? And yeah, I, look, I, I think that philanthropy should be looked at as a business. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so when I think of Pratham or I mm -hmm. think of AIF, yeah. uh, providing a child an education is mm -hmm. the greatest way to lift them up from their current situation. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Bringing somebody to the United States so that they can get an education at a university here mm -hmm. and they become something right. gives them tremendous earning power. You've changed yeah. their life, yeah. you've changed the next three, four yeah. generations yes. where they otherwise couldn't. Yeah. Uh, AIF, they're teaching people uh, you know, uh, trades and skills, mm -hmm. um, how to be an electrician or how to be mm -hmm. a mechanic. Again, now you're teaching them, you're lifting them up right. from what was otherwise abject poverty. Yeah. Right. So I am a, a firm believer in making a difference in the lives of millions of people and future generations. Mm -hmm. And I think that you can do so with very uh, limited resources, but mm -hmm. with the right focus. Right. Well, that's great. So coming back to entrepreneurs, 
yeah. right? Any philosophical or practical advice for someone who's either looking to become an entrepreneur or follow your footsteps, right, more specifically within the industry? Well, I think first and foremost, people should really be thoughtful about what is their passion. Mm -hmm. What do they want to do? And if the first thought is, I want to make a lot of money, then don't be an entrepreneur. <laughs> because most entrepreneurs do not make a lot of money, especially in the beginning. It's, yeah. it's a very slow process. Mm -hmm. Think first about what is the problem that you want to solve and why are you passionate about solving that problem. Think about how you can deliver value first before you think about how you're going to monetize yeah. it. How can you exceed the expectations of the customer? How can you deliver upon service? Mm -hmm. Because service is something that is in limited supply. People yeah. do not deliver sufficient amounts of good service. Mm -hmm in today's society. And those are the things that I think create competitive advantages and can help define uh, a business or a product mm -hmm. going forward. If you're just going to knock something off and say, well, they made a red widget right. and I'll make a blue one <laughs> and it'll be great. I'm just going to copy them. Yeah. That's not an entrepreneur. Yeah. You know, That's people more have of to businessman maybe. It's a yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, those those are short-term right. um, opportunities and mm -hmm. it's not to say that they're bad. But that's not what, what uh, really is an entrepreneur. Right. An entrepreneur who is somebody that, that sees a problem mm -hmm. that maybe others don't see, but they're, they're thinking about how they're going to change the world. Yes. How are they going to solve something or produce something, provide mm -hmm. something that has a, a large, potentially large impact. Right. Yeah. Thank you. On that great note, you know, th this was amazing. This, is, this has been very educational, very entertaining. And once again, thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I've really it was, enjoyed it. It was a pleasure. Thanks a lot. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Thanks.